partner up with somebody who knows what they're doing so they can lead you through it so you're not the lone wolf. Lone wolves don't succeed in this business very often. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He is a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Jay Tenenbaum. Jay is joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. He is a full-time real estate investor and syndicator with eight years of experience. Jay's main focus is syndicating defaulted mortgage acquisitions. Jay, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Certainly, Ash, thank you so much for having me. So I spent majority of my career as a debt collection attorney. And I like to say then I transitioned into buying distressed mortgage notes. So I've been in debt all my life, just not personally. So from debt collection to chasing mortgage notes, a different debt instrument, started investing in notes in 2013. I've done over 450 deals all over the United States and not a single one in my own backyard. Interesting. Is there a reason that you don't do any in Arizona? Yes. I started investing when I lived in California. And at the time in 2013, pricing of notes in California was 80, 90 cents on the dollar. Midwest and South was like 30, 40 cents. So the opportunity existed elsewhere. So I just learned how to do it basically sight unseen, building teams, et cetera. Moved to Arizona four years ago. I haven't seen a note in Arizona since the very beginning anyway. So besides the lack of availability and just the ability to know how to do it out of state, it's just kind of the model washers repeat. Well, why is that? There was a ton of defaults in Arizona. Part of it is because Arizona, like California, is a deed of trust state, meaning it's really quick to go to foreclosure. So everything was a default, just went to foreclosure. Investors were buying properties at foreclosure. So the availability of hedge funds buying notes in Arizona became less and less. So these weren't available. All right. So I know a lot of people that invest in notes. I know very little about investing in notes myself. Is there a way you could take us through the beginners, how to get involved in investing in notes course? Certainly. So I have built relationships with banks, mostly hedge funds in the course of my career. So where I say I'm lazy, I don't like to hunt. These relationships bring me deals on spreadsheets on almost pretty much a daily basis. So you're looking at an asset, a mortgage note. You're not buying the house. Our specialties, we're buying notes that are secured by single family, one to four units. And the borrower at some point has gone into default and the bank or the hedge fund has sold off the loan to somebody else as a commodity that comes down to investors like ourselves who will actually do something with it. Like in the beginning, I was buying very low value notes where the houses were maybe worth 50 grand in the Midwest. The unpaid balance was underwater. $80,000, $100,000, I'm picking up for maybe $10,000, $15,000. And at that point in time, I would work out loan modifications with borrowers, keeping me in their homes. Today, we've migrated into buying mortgage notes on higher value properties. In fact, we're in a contract now where the purchase price of the notes could be actually over a million dollars, highest single transaction I've ever, I've ever done. So we're buying houses now that are worth four, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000. So actually getting paid off at auction a lot recently. 
is where, is where we were going. That high dollar transaction, was that a multifamily property? No, it was one note on a property in Connecticut, a single family. What was that house worth? You could do anything. Currently, it's worth probably $3 million. We put a little square footage into it. We can probably get it up to five without really doing much to it. And did you do the due diligence that any investor would do, or did you just buy the paper and not really worry about the condition of the house or anything? When you're buying mortgage notes, you're not so worried. You, the condition of the house and the values is somewhat important. But when you're buying mortgage notes, the diligence is in the mortgage itself, making sure that the mortgage is clean, making sure that the chain of assignments are, are correct and, and all that, and that you have to foreclose on it or it's in foreclosure that you can continue without any hassle. So that's where we are right now. They're actually, they actually think the mortgage is in foreclosure already. And what was the disposition of that property? We're under contract. We haven't even finished our ah, Okay. And what's your plan? Are you going to do a loan mod on that? No, the price point's too high. Return to investors would be pretty minimal to buy something for a million dollars and do a three, $4,000 a month mortgage payment. So no, we will finish the foreclosure, take the property back and then flip it. So you're looking at non-performing notes versus performing notes. Correct. For a specific reason, yes. So the people that don't have the contacts with the banks and the hedge funds, how do they get into this arena? Partner up with somebody who does like ourselves. We work with investors all the time to teach them how to do it with us. I was fortunate enough to get involved in this business with a mentor who brought me those initial relationships. I've built my own since then. So that's kind of been my why ever since is I've got the deal flow because we've all had the experience of going to seminars and boot camps and all that. And you get great education in some hotel over the course of a weekend, but come Monday morning, where do you find your first deal? That was my biggest challenge until I got exposed to investing in notes because I met even in that three-day weekend, a couple of hedge fund sellers and established those relationships and was capable of knowing where I was going to find my first deal right away, pretty much. And Jay, do you run a formal boot camp or school or courseware? Not really. I am involved. I'm a leader in a, a real estate community that now with Zoom is nationwide. And I run all the mastermind programs inside that community, including my own mastermind, out-of-state mastermind, where we show our members how to invest out-of-state. And I got to tell you, we've started it in 2018. And the members of our community irrespective of my business partner, have done over 90 deals themselves, spent a little bit over $2 million and taking down assets worth well over $6 million in that time frame. And what's the typical cash on cash return they're seeing? We're delivering our investors probably somewhere consistently in the high teens or better. And what are the risks involved with beginner investors in notes? Well, the biggest risk is the rookie investor doesn't know what they're doing and overpays for the note. There's no such thing necessarily as a bad note, just a bad price. If you're overpaying for the note, your exit strategies, your exit returns are going to get impaired. So we find a lot of times when the market is flooded, when the gurus are bringing in new investor notes that we see pricing go up because rookies are overpaying for what they should be paying for. I can't say necessarily whether their diligence was good or bad. It's just they overpaid for what they're getting. Jay, you've been doing this for a long time. Is this something you would advise your kids to get into or a rookie investor to get into versus the typical multifamily, commercial, single family route? Actually, my oldest son did work in our business from 2015 to 2018. Then he, he took a course at Arizona State University to be a web developer, to enhance our websites, whatever. He liked that so much. He's a full-time website developer. He lives in Colorado. He's out of the business. 
My other sons don't really have the affinity for it. I don't think they really understand what it is. But working with my son was awesome during that time frame. It certainly was. We got closer together. It was, it was a lot of fun. As a rookie investor, just like anything else, whether it's single family, multifamily, notes, whatever, I learned, even though I had a legal background, which helped me a lot in this space, but even without that, I still partnered up in the beginning with other people who knew what they were doing as well. That is crucial, essential to doing anything. To be honest with you, yes, we bought a property, we bought a 14 unit in Pittsburgh, but I really don't know multifamily that well. Okay. When you purchase these notes, do you always have the same end game where you just sell the property off or do you sometimes want to keep them? In the note space, we have potentially 14, 15 separate exit strategies all to our disposal. So the one thing I learned a long time ago was you can't predispose. So you just take your loan, you buy it, you start working through it, and the outcome almost materializes to you. Now, granted, recently, in the last year, year and a half, we've been buying a lot of reverse mortgages. So with the borrower being dead, a loan modification is obviously not an option. And some of the stuff that we've been buying has been late stage foreclosure. I mean, we've gone to foreclosure sale within a couple months or so after we bought it. And what's really the low-hanging fruit right now is investors. As we all know, there's such a shortage of inventory. Investors are showing up these auctions, and they're hungry for a potential opportunity. They're overpaying at the auction to our benefit because we're getting paid off at auction. I just had a note in Newport, Rhode Island. We wanted to keep it as an Airbnb. We were owed $377,000. We bought it for two eighty-five, I think. The high bid today was 413000 Probably is worth probably 500000 something. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. Realestateaccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget to actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. Why not do this with commercial, retail, office buildings? 
I don't have a space for them. So I don't go to my hedge fund, establish other relationships to buy those kind of assets. Some of my colleagues do. They buy what's really considered a true commercial note. This is back before the pandemic where they're buying off of hotels or commercial strip centers or what have you and getting good discounts, obviously. I don't know the space well enough. In this economy with strip centers and everything else going online, you're probably going to buy a mortgage note on a commercial center at really, really wild, wild west discounts. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. You have to know the space. You have to have a plan on what you're going to do with turning it around or releasing it or selling it. There's got to be an action plan. What are the mistakes most commonly made by rookies that are graduating from a weekend boot camp, getting into notes? Well, as I said before, the first thing is they're overpaying. They're caught up in the frenzy of they're getting exposed to a hedge fund relationship who's giving them an opportunity to buy. And there's this frenzy of, I just got out of boot camp. I just got out. I got to buy, buy, buy. I got to buy yesterday, right? I got to validate what I'm doing. I got to buy. And they don't sufficiently do their diligence. They overpay for this stuff. And unfortunately, in most situations, it's one and done money. They go in, they lose their shirt, and they're like, this isn't for me. I see a lot of times, even when you're buying right, I see a lot of times probably, and I'm just speculating here, probably every five new investors, you look at them a year or two later down the road. And even if they had success, only one or two are probably still in the business. Interesting. So unlike multifamily, where once somebody goes from residential to multifamily, they stick with it because they think it's great. You see a lot of people investing in notes and then later on veering in another direction. Yes. And I think for a a variety of reasons. For example, when I first started, again, where do I find my first deal or a deal was a challenge to me. So when I first got exposed to notes, I looked at it initially as, okay, now I have a source where I can buy. So now what I'm buying, let's say I'm finished the foreclosure, fix and flip it. Now I've figured out how to buy notes as an acquisition strategy. Now, five minutes into it, I realized that, wait a second, what is my core strength? Well, as a debt collection attorney, we could have turned the lights off and gone to the Bahamas for a month, and we probably would have still earned six figures plus in revenue from wage garnishments and bank account levies and stip payments and stuff like that. So what did I do? I realized, wait a second, I'm able to do loan modifications with borrowers and keep them in their homes all I'm doing is replicating the cash flow that I was generating in my law practice. But that's just my investor ID. So I think for an investor who it's not sustainable, I think you get caught up into whether in this as a business or as a hobby. And second of all, like for example, in the beginning, when I was buying, my investor ID was I'm a debt collection attorney. I knew volume. I knew how to manage volume. 2015, I bought 100 notes, 77 notes in 2016 because I knew volume. And so it was like the grind of the volume was what I was used to. But I don't know if necessarily if that's for the investor ID for everybody else. So I think the grind of saying, I'm only buying one or two, and it's only giving me $1.95, mm, what am I going to do, right? I think then you've got the exposure to someone else's boot camp. And then I think the other part of it is people just get the shiny object. How important was being a debt collection attorney to your success? The legal knowledge and background that I have, I use even innately every single day. It's invaluable to what I think is is our success in our company because I can make chicken salad from chicken, whatever, because I'm resourceful enough to know the ins and outs of stuff. I know what I'm looking at. I'm knowing what to look at in diligence that most other non-legal investors probably don't look at. One of my points of diligence is 
I'm communicating with the foreclosure attorney that's involved with the hedge fund we're buying from, and I'm getting an understanding of where they are and whether there's any issues involved because there's so much flow out there. I don't need to buy a note on a protracted litigation that's going on. Foreclosure has been going on for five years. There's plenty of other opportunity out there. Yeah. And Jay, when the market is in turmoil, is that the best time to buy notes? Yes and no. When I first got in this business, I asked the proverbial question, how long is this gravy train going to last? I was told three to five years, right? Now, 2021, I think anybody would say for another three to five years, a different three to five year landscape potentially, right? But when the market turns, it should make what we buy now cheaper than what we're buying it now. Now, when I got involved in 2013, Really, no buying became prevalent in 2010, 2011, and most banks had no idea what they had, no idea how to get rid of it, and my brethren used to call it the wild, wild west. I got involved, and I think picking up anything around 50 cents on the dollar was pretty standard. And then around 2017, rookie investors overpaying caused pricing to go up. It didn't make any sense. We actually were buying a property off auction.com in that period of time. And then at the pandemic, we got involved in buying mortgage notes because, again, we were buying rental properties in 2019. And then getting about one and a half percent rental income over capital. But with the pandemic causing the pricing of, of rental properties going crazy, we turned to notes. And because notes were still providing the best discounted value for us. And it's continued with that. Even though the properties appreciate, it's continued. The difference now, 2021 versus 13, is I could look at a tape in 2013 and pretty much close my eyes, point my finger, and whatever I wanted on that tape, I would get it at a good price. Now, we're going through more assets and evaluating the assets and the assets. Okay. Take a step back. Back in 2013, I could get probably any asset on that tape for the price I wanted. I may not want the asset because probably in a war zone. Now assets are fine. And most of them these days all have equity. They're good places. It's all fine. But the pricing that sellers want may not fit our model. We go through much, much more assets that we're looking for in a spreadsheet for every 50 we look at probably only six make our model. And who is the seller? Is it a middleman, a broker? Because it's not the bank, right? No. What happens is banks originate their loans and either they sell them off five minutes after the originating is performing or they sell them off when they default. They sell them off to Wall Street hedge funds who stroke seven, eight figure checks. And all they do is package them up and sell them as a commodity for $1.95 to hedge fund B. Hedge fund B sells to hedge fund C. Hedge fund C starts marketing it to guys like us. Some of them work them a little better put them through foreclosure and then sell them to recapitalize. So they can buy more assets from the big boys, Freddie, Fannie, HUD, et cetera. And so they're recapitalizing. That's why they're selling them to us or they're just not really have the appetite to take them all, take their entire portfolio, a thousand, thousands of loans through that. So we've been pretty fortunate to establish relationships that are what we call forward flow. So we can pretty much go to them monthly and go, okay, what do you have this month? What do you have next month? And kind of continue to buy from them. And it's a mutually beneficial relationship. They know they've got a, a buyer in us that closes on time and, and funds and fund timely. And we know that we've got relationships that we can rely on to bring us deal flow. And Jay, every note that you buy, is it a negotiation or is it a set price? Both. Sometimes we know it's a set price and it doesn't fit our model. And sometimes out of 50 assets, the set price doesn't work. So we, we may try to go back and renegotiate a little, or we just say, look, out of that 50, here's a six that will work for us at your price. So it makes it easier. There's a lot of negotiation that goes on with other sellers at times. Right now, we're working with one seller. We've probably got 30, 40 assets we bid on, and we just can't get a price that makes sense, either individually or as a pool. It's kind of frustrating, but we figure we're hopeful that that'll be in soon. They're just pricing is just too high. It just doesn't work. 
So is it like used car sales where each person wants the best deal? A lot of back not, and forth. Not really that. The larger hedge funds, everything's done by analytics these days, right? It's not me. I'm not wired to be the analytical guy on the team. I'm the capital raiser, the loss mitigation guy. But my partner is the analytical guy in his team, right? So they've got their model. The hedge funds got their model saying, look, we're going to sell it to you at this price because that's what works in our model based upon their returns, their desired returns, et cetera. I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's pretty much based on what returns you're capable of providing to your investors. So they're going to sell it at a price. They're going to get the necessary return on investment or return on their capital that works for them. We've got to buy it at a spot that's attractive enough for our investors. And Jay, speaking of loss mitigation, what's an example of a deal where you lost money and what was your lesson learned from that? Early on, I think that there were probably a couple deals where we lost money because my investor didn't want to either put more money in to flip it. He wanted to wholesale it. So he kind of put a hand behind my back and say, you need to dispose of it here as a fire sale. And we lost money. Now, granted, that's what he wanted to do. Recently, we lost a little bit of money on a note in New Orleans. It's kind of an interesting story. The story was we bought it last summer. So we'd had a little over a year. And we knew going in that the payoff amount was not that high. And there was a possibility when we looked at it over a year ago that we could get paid off at auction and make a little bit of money. But the plan was we wouldn't get paid off at auction. We'd take it back and we, there was a lot next door. We're going to pick it up, build on both lots and do really well. Well, since it didn't go to auction for a year almost and the auction market had changed so much, we got paid off. And after New Orleans with all their voodoo, after everybody got their hand in the pie, the sheriff's fees and they take a percentage of the payoff, whatever. So we ended up losing a little bit of money. Lessons learned was it really couldn't be avoided. We don't analyze our deals on speculation that the market's going to go up. But a year ago, we had no idea of just how hot the foreclosure market was. Now, the moral of the story is we approached our investors and said, look, we've got another deal that is a fix and flip, a little more just a straight property fix and flip. We want to roll over that loss into it and you'll make better return than you would have made even if we would have got this one back and rehabbed ourselves. So that's how we resourcefully dealt with it. And when you buy notes, it's all cash or do banks finance on that? Very good question. Traditionally, no banks will finance mortgage notes. They don't know how to securitize them. Especially so non-performing been, ones. Correct. So I've been raising private capitals at the start of my career. Now, it just so happens this one seller I was referring to that we've got this log jam of 30, 40 bids. They are providing assets. Their hedge fund is funding their own deals, about 70% of the purchase. The problem is, which is attractive to us, we just can't get pricing. And not that the debt service is really going to move the needle a whole lot on the valuation, but it is there. So as we've evolved as a company, we raise private capital to buy the note. Now, if we take it back at auction and now it becomes a property, we've got a pre-approved credit facility that we bring in, replace 70, 90% of our investors' capital, and then it also includes traditional non-hard money, the rates aren't hard, it's about 8, 9%, but 70, 90% of the acquisition, 100% of the rehab. So now my investors have got some certainty of saying my cash is in. So in the beginning, their cash would be in until we liquidated the asset. If it was loan mod, they were getting loan mod payments until we sold the loan. Now as a fix and flip, they don't necessarily have to wait till we fix it and flip it and put more money into it. They're getting an initial capital investment on the acquisition back and the rehab is being funded by the loan. So they're either cash in the deal all about six months on average, 
So for those of you who are analytical experts, the XIRR, which takes into consideration not the cash on cash return, but the time, the specific time your money is out in stages, the returns are substantially greater under the XIRR because you're getting most of your money back within about six months of your investment. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Here's a problem you're probably not solving for right now. Have you ever had a tenant squat inside your rental and refuse to pay rent? Or are you worried about renting to a serial rent dodger? You've probably used a credit report for tenant screening before, but what if I told you you're missing out on info you need to properly verify prospective tenants? That's a problem, and the solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a summary of a prospective tenant's financial information using bank-verified transactional data you can't get from a credit check. This includes monthly income, payroll, past rent payments, and identity verification. Rentify's reports also highlight non-sufficient funds, overdraft history, and missed rent payments. It's all available at www.trustrentify.com. The best part is Rentify's financial reports instantly verify the full financial picture of a tenant within minutes, so you will no longer have to waste hours or even days verifying their information manually. And you can eliminate the risk of being duped by fraudulent documents and losing thousands of dollars getting unreliable tenants evicted. Visit TrustRentify.com and use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first report package. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y.com. Put in the promo code FAIRLESS, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first report package. Jay, does an investor put money into a fund or is it per deal? Right now, we're per deal. And that's where we've evolved from one-on-one investments, especially at lower price points. If we're buying something for 50 grand, we raise 50 grand and we're just working with one investor. Now that we're buying the higher value assets, we're syndicating those, bringing multiple investors in a member-managed limited liability company. And that's been working out fantastic. We're now putting together our 20th since the start of the year. It's hard enough to raise money for multifamily syndications, but you've got an even more difficult task because you have to educate your investors on what note investing is. How do you overcome that? Very good question. I'll answer the question in this respect. As I said before, I was a debt collection attorney. I had no real estate experience other than living and owning my own homes. I had no capital raising experience whatsoever. And using my debt collection background, I kind of accidentally figured out a process of how to capital raise. What I mean by that is a traditional debt collection trial is you're the debtor, you owe somebody for an, you didn't pay an open invoice. So you go to court and you say, your honor, here's my witness. They know the books and records of the company. Here's the open invoice that's established in the normal course of business. Did you get paid? No, judgment for you. They let the documentation speak for itself is my point. So what I've done is we put together, similar to normal syndication, we put together a prospectus that shows the deal. How much do you need? What do you need it for? How's it being secured? What's my returns? All that kind of fluffy stuff, right? But what I do is we have a conversation. Let's say one of your listeners on your podcast says, I want to know more. 
we have a really minimal conversation. I ask them what their goals and objectives are. Just kind of get to know them a little bit. Then I show them other perspectives of deals that were already done. So I'm not asking you to make an investment decision with me right now. I want you to be comfortable in what we do. So we'll have another conversation and you'll go through the already closed deal and go, okay, what about this? What about this? And then you'll say, next time you have an opportunity, I'm in. And when I started working with my, with my business partner a couple of years ago, he came to me one day and he says, I know you got a call with a potential investor coming up. I want to listen in on the call. I'm like, okay, fine. And at the end of the call, he was extremely disappointed. And you want to know why? The why is because I already had a couple conversations with this guy. So the call that he listened in on was a conversation where it was the actual deal. And the conversation took approximately three minutes. He said, I looked it over. I'm in. And what was the disappointment? My partner was disappointed. There wasn't any dialogue. Uh, So he didn't learn anything. Yeah, because I read the proposal. I'm in. It took less than three minutes. Do you run into investors that are just confused and don't understand how this all works? Yes. And like I said, I tried it to simplify it because I'm not going to be able to teach them note investing in five minutes, their head would explode, right? And you slow it down. And like I said, you let a lot of the documentation speak for itself. Our model is basically it's you're coming in on the 10th hole of the golf course. I've already found the asset. I've already done the diligence. Here's what we believe it's going to do. So you're making an investment decision. And we're going to work together and you're going to make decisions with us on every disposition that goes on during the course of this. And once you get your feet wet on that, then if you want to reinvest with us, then we'll bring you in on the diligence side. So you learn that piece separate. So you don't try to throw it all to them all at once. You say, look, we've already done the heavy lifting. Just learn it. So basically what we're doing is showing our investors what we do, how we do it, why we do it, when we do it. And that's how they really get up to speed on what's going on. You're buying something at such a discount, the risks are minimized because you've got such such spread in in what you're doing. And again, with syndications and the credit facility, what's the risk? You're getting your money back regardless. Either you're getting paid off at auction or you're getting money back to the credit facility one way or the other within about six months, regardless of the ultimate disposition. So we've kind of eliminated the risks. We kind of solve the problems before they arise. Eliminate the risk continuously. And Jay, is there a typical investment size per investor, a dollar amount? No, because it all depends on the size of the deal. We have no investment minimums, but I'll tell you with the syndications, we try to keep the members of the LLC manageable, say two, three, four, five at most maybe. So depending on the size of the deal, I'd say typically an investment around 50 grand. Sometimes it can come in for a little less if we're looking to put together the last piece of the thing. Sometimes a little more, it all depends. And do they have to be accredited investors? Not to do the member-managed LLC syndication that we do, no. But we're in the process of raising a true fund, and that you would have to be accredited for that, yes. And then you're turning these typically inside of one year. So there's no capital gains. It's just ordinary income. Are there any ways to offset taxes on the gains? That we leave to the investors and their tax professional. I'm not a tax professional, and I'm not going to give any of my investors any tax advice on that. Yeah, but typically if they're getting their money returned to them in under a year, it's ordinary income versus capital gains. Right, and it's interesting income if we're doing low mods and getting monthly payments. Yeah. Jay, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Two things. Shoot ready aim and partner up with somebody who knows what they're doing so they can lead you through it so you're not the lone wolf. Lone wolves don't succeed in this business very often. Jay, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? 
Absolutely. Let's do it. Jay, what's the best ever book you recently read? Three Feet from Gold. What was your big takeaway from that? Just the perseverance, because basically in anything you do, you go from the outhouse to the penthouse, the outhouse and back again. It's only what you did yesterday, right? So just to be able to persevere and know the other day could be a great day, could be a bad day, but it all works out. Jay, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I was shown the way, so a huge why in my life is giving back and showing other investors. When I moved to Arizona in 2017, I got into the community that I referred to because I wanted a community. I just moved to Arizona. I wanted a community. I knew I could bring deal flow into the community to solve the challenge of where their members could find their first deal. And being a leader in the community and managing the, the masterminds and just supporting everybody's success. We do a virtual property tour the second Saturday of every month. And it warms my heart because what we do on these property tours is showcase other members of our community inside our mastermind and what they've done. And like a proud parent, you're like, you were able to facilitate their success. They learn from you. And the gratitude, the appreciation makes my heart warm all the time. Yeah, that is fantastic. Jay, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Our website is www.scottsdalerei.com. I'll even give you my email. It's jay at scottsdalerei.com. And even my phone number. Yes, I will answer my phone. 714-458-6317. Awesome. Jay, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. You've given us a great glimpse into the ins and outs of notes investing, some of the pitfalls to avoid, and just overall great advice towards investing in general. So thank you very much for that. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us and have a best ever day.